today we'll be talking about the Darwinian tale of evolution and survival of the fittest in the RCBI industry. The Global Passport Investor is your go-to podcast. Welcome to the latest episode of Global Passport Investor. I'm your host, Eric Major, an investment migration veteran with over three decades in the game. This is the latest series of our discussions of all things citizenship, residency, and investment migration. If you're watching us on YouTube, please leave us your questions in the comments section. And for those of you listening to the podcast, we'd love to have your emails, so please send them at questions at globalpassportinvestor.com. So today we'll be talking about the Darwinian tale of evolution and survival of the fittest in the RCBI industry. And joining me for this discussion is the newest Latitude Group CEO, Mimoun Azraoui. Mimoun, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really glad that you could uh, be here for this uh, discussion, which I thought some of our listeners could be interested in learning about, you know, this industry that you and I know so well. In my case, as I said in the intro for 30 years, you, uh, you over 10 now. Tell us a little bit about Rift Trust, which is part of Latitude Group, and, and your evolution in the industry. Maybe start with that. Thank you, Eric. And obviously, uh, definitely, uh, I'd like, first of all, obviously, you, you mentioned it over 30 years of experience, one of the veteran and now our executive chairman. First of all, I would like to congratulate you for, uh, for the position. Thank you. That's very nice. And very happy to, uh, to as we say in French, prendre le relais yes. in this uh, very, uh, uh, very, uh, I'm thrilled to be the new Latitude Group CEO. Um, indeed, having uh, been in this industry for 10 years, for over the, oh, a little bit more than 10 years, indeed. before a banker like yourself, mm-hmm. uh, banking in, uh, in Europe, Asia, the Middle East, uh, been in the UA for the last 20 years, founded Rift Trust uh, 10 years ago, mm. merged with Latitude in 2018, so now fifth year going to six years, and being one of the uh, leading citizenship and residency by investment firm globally, with over 130 employees, 23 offices, uh, spanning from the Americas, Canada, the US, uh, Brazil, the Cayman, to Europe, Malta, uh, the UK, obviously, here in Dubai, which is our hub for Middle East and Africa, and into Asia, Pakistan, India, Hong Kong. So uh, exciting times, exciting times. Like you say, like me, you came from the banking world. Uh, and at what point did you start to realize and discover that, yes, you know, we uh, as clients, high net worth clients, need to have a discussion about diversification of their asset, you know, the, the allocation of their portfolio of holdings around the world and risk mitigation and tax planning. At what point did you say, you know what, this whole idea of second residency and citizenship is critical? Like, at what point that, you know, obviously that led you to creating Rift Trust. Mm-hmm. Was, that, was that through a personal experience? Was that through uh, engaging with clients? How did you stumble into this industry? A personal experience, as I mentioned, I've been here over the last 20 years, so obviously a lot of wealth have been, have been created in this part of the uh, of the world, especially in Dubai, here in the UAE. Yeah. I've seen the, arrived here in 2004, and now next year I'll be celebrating my 20 years. Banking, uh, being into banking, uh, it was, initially I didn't start it in the, I would say in the wealth advisory, which, you know, like the immigration like industry, uh, yeah. being in that, in that field. 
But straight away after leaving the banking world, I realized there was a gap there missing because obviously there were a lot of asset managers, wealth managers, people who wanted to advise where to invest your money. But uh, this unique tool of uh, the residency and citizenship by investment was not u- was not used as a tool in wealth advisory, and I I noticed there was a uh, uh, there was a, a miss there. There was something missing. So hence the creation of Rift Trust and putting citizenship and residency by investment at the heart uh, of a wealth advisory planning. Mm. And ten years ago, it's it was not as it is today, where today is a bit more democratized. It was the beginning of this industry and and more important is like the, the the banks the wealth advisor understand the importance of residency and citizenship by investment in in uh, in, in wealth planning mm. um, and then since then after that the the trend followed and and uh, we the time told us that we were right to focus to put uh, citizenship and residency by investment at the heart of our of our company mm. And then uh, proposing this uh, wealth advisory f- solutions for our mm-hmm. clients. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I've heard you use this term a few times, and I find it uh, interesting because it, I, I see how, with the evolution of the industry, it does make sense to say that a lot of what we do has been democratized over time. Now, does that mean, in your mind, it just became more accessible, more affordable? Or um, uh, what do you mean by yeah. that? A bit of both, actually. We've seen the pricing went down. We're just today having lunch, for example, with Antigua delegation, where in the past real estate was at 400,000 euros, and it went down to 200,000 euro over the last, you know, like uh, less than around three years ago. Mm-hmm. So we've seen a price reductions. There was a uh, aim from the government to bring the prices down obviously to make it av- available to the grand public as we yeah. say like yeah. to the mass market um, and and an interest from when I said democratized we're here uh, in Dubai where the hub is 180 nationalities yeah. and it's difficult to get the citizenship of the country mm-hmm. so that's why hence all of these nationalities be it uh, Lebanese Syrian Yemenite Nigerian Moroccans South African um, really looking at at uh, citizenship and residency because they have in bracket a weak passport. Yeah. So for them, uh, it, it it was a nightmare They're to get to, yeah to get to get to get a uh, to get a visa. Only if you are if you live in Dubai, you know that getting an appointment at VFS to to have your visa sometimes take you two months. Once you get this visa, you only have a, a visa for let's say two to three months. So it became very heavy as a logistic. So clients really wanted to find solutions mm-hmm. for, to, to, for, for these problems. Yeah, you so, know, and I could tell you, uh, you know, in the early days of it, that wasn't an obvious um, leap of faith in the sense that, you know, these early citizenship programs, and you know which ones they are, St. Kitts, followed up by Dominica, in their early days, you know, they only had visa-free travel to about 75, 80 countries, you know, yet it was still better than in some parts of the world, and hence the demand and the need. Clearly, as these countries forged more visa-free waiver uh, agreements and privileges, did the power of their passports increase? 
Uh, and so now there's this democratization of their ability to travel and to enjoy the world as well by the expansion of the power of the passport. So that's been, for me, the most fascinating side of this, is that what we were talking about and offering 15 years ago wasn't the same thing as it is now. Now it's really about smile, right? Security, mobility, uh, you know, insurance policy, uh, lifestyle, and of course, uh, for the children, education. Uh, so that evolution has been interesting. But I mean, when we're seeing that what goes up can go down, right? Mm -hmm. And let's talk about um, two particular uh, islands who've gone through uh, in recent months uh, a bit of a downgrade. Mm -hmm. Um, both Dominica and Vanuatu. What, what do you make of, of those events? It's unfortunate. I mean, we know Vanuatu pretty well. Both, both islands, we know them, we've been promoting them. And as you rightly say, and I think we made this comment even to government, they made a mistake in terms of their due diligence. They've been laxist and on, at onboarding certain clients um, without checking, for example, one of the conditions Diligence is very important, is to make sure that you don't have a visa rejection in one of the country uh, where you can have access to this with this passport. Mm. And unfortunately, it happened in both cases, in both countries, where... There were approving cases? There were approving cases where there were visa re rejections. So that, that, um, that had a bad repercussion on these countries, and which shows also that the UK... Uh, the, Schengen are very carefully monitoring these programs and they want to make sure they they respect the highest standard of due diligence, which is good for our industry. I mean, well, I know you and I are like-minded on that, you know, mm -hmm. as chairman and CEO. I mean, this whole raising of the bar uh, is exactly what we've been asking for, hoping for and wishing for. And so we, we, we think that these pressure points uh, that we're seeing out of the UK and Schengen will ultimately lead us to a, a better industry. Would you agree with that? It is. I mean, we were in Brussels last uh, last last May yes. for the IMC conferences. We obviously have intervention from the European Union. Obviously, we're also a member of the IMC and representative in both the Caribbean and here in the Middle East. And we've been lobbying for to 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 have the highest standard of diligence because it's in our interest. Mm -hmm. We rely on, on, on this business and our banking relationship also requires that mm -hmm. we vet our clients. So it's important that we make sure that we onboard the right clients, that the, the standards uh, are respected uh, for, for the, the, the sake of our industry on the long, on the long run. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I think this is as much true for countries that they be uh, held accountable to doing the right thing and framing these programs in the right way. And some are, as you mentioned, we were just uh, meeting earlier with Antigua and Barbuda, for example, who, and others, but who, we, with them in particular, we know they adopt uh, these most highest international standards of due diligence. Uh, and only those who apply that will survive mm -hmm. the jungle out there. And, um, and could you say the same about companies, and no less in Dubai, where there's a lot of firms who do this line of work? How do you see that evolve in terms of the market? Uh, so, uh, to come back, uh, definitely, as you rightly said, this uh, evolution of the fittest, it's true for the government, and we've seen that it can, it can, it can go up, but you can easily come down, as you, uh, as you rightly mentioned it, 
and other countries are realizing that so they're taking the necessary step to make sure that they stay on top of the uh, that is safeguard and they stay on top of the game we've seen with some kids that took some decisions increase pricing Draconian decision yes yes increasing interviews and the yeah. other island are doing the same because they realize these programs are very important I would say even vital for the economies yes. so governments are realizing that yes. and they want to make sure that in this case it's 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 not, not only the fittest but it, I would say this the, the, the most yes. sustainable yeah I think that you're using the right word which is sustainability sustainability of the programs Uh, this is for the, the 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 countries now in terms of the company mm. yes you've seen uh, well you are a veteran you started in the in the 80s in Canada uh, in this industry and you've seen how is that evolved from a residency Canada the 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 the, the US with the EB5 uh, all the way to the, the the Caribbean and you've seen at the time there were a few companies doing that a few immigrations uh, Uh, law firms that were based in Canada doing this Quebec investor programs and I'm sure and this if we compare the 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 scope of what was the industry 30 years ago to where it is now it's completely different it's a completely different uh, different animals obviously Henley and Partners was the leader uh, probably 10 years ago five 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 six years ago but all of this is changing there's new players that are challenging that It's a very fragmented industry. We've seen the entry to barriers, especially here in the Middle East, is low. Sort of companies uh, can set up, and it's good because you're challenged. Because it's like it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's important. It 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 um, it force you to 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 very stay on top of your game and 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 be competitive. And, be competitive. Yeah. and it's. Um, And it will. We've seen it is changing in terms of the products that has been introduced. For example, that that was not there like uh, five six years ago, to where it is right now. So you really need to stay competitive, to know. Most important is what a client wants and be innovative with your offering. And we've been as a firm. This is why we grew to two people, from two people ten years ago to now 140, and to 23 offices because. We understood that we needed to be global. That's why once we've done our, we've merged with Latitude. So to bring that element, we were very regional companies. We needed that international expansion. So we've done that with the merger of Latitude. And even when we merged, there was only around 11 offices and we grew that to 23 in, in right. the span of, of five years. That's right. So we think global and we act local. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of saying it. I think you're right. I think we made the comment once, uh, you know, that the, the, the winners in this industry are the ones who really will have a global approach and a global footprint uh, and a global brand that the uh, people in many parts uh, of the world will recognize as the leader. Uh, and I think you're right. Uh, and now with you leading the charge with all the markets I know that you're envisioning to expand in, to grow in, to, to enter in, Um, that will only continue as to what we saw the le- in the first uh, five years. So, I mean, but there are headwinds. There are headwinds in mm. our industry, and they're not insignificant. Um, so how do you, what does your crystal ball say? Uh, you know, maybe how you see the latitude, latitude group in, the, in that in, in five years' time, but the industry as a whole, how do you see that play? And, and, and will the Caribbean still have a card to play in this field, or, or would the headwinds of Europe and the United, and the United Kingdom break them down? 
uh, or will other things happen? Uh, what's your Prediction. Definitely. I mean, uh, thanks for the question. And we've seen this year, 2023, it was a very challenging year for our industry in terms of Vanuatu losing UK and Schengen access, Dominica losing UK access, a lot of pressure from the EU uh, asking to, to uh, revisit. Almost losing Portugal. Almost losing <laughs> Portugal. You know, you've seen that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, a lot of pressure. So we are at a crossroad where our industry is realizing that they need to have, um, I would say, a better uh, due diligence. And, and, and yes, there are pressures, there are headwinds, and we've anticip we're anticipating that. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're trying to lobby to make sure that our industry uh, gets cl cleaned in, in bracket, that we, have, that we are applying the highest standard of due diligence when we onboard our clients, that also the CIU are doing the same and they understood it they understood that that now and we've seen since the IMC that happened in uh, in in May that they are coming together that they are working together and to safeguard their programs mm -hmm. so their headwinds we don't know about the ETIAS that's going to come into 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 Europe that's going to be in 2025 and um, we know that there are pressure from the US and the even the F8 TF, which yes. is a financials, which is anti-money laundering. So there are different entities looking at it uh, from the European Union, from the UK, mm -hmm. from the, the, the international organization yeah, looking OECD. OECD tracing that. Uh, but it's for a good cause because they, more and more we started understanding what is our industry about. It's not only about uh, rich people getting a second citizenship to avoid taxation. No, it's not like that. Uh, we've seen you've seen the we, we've seen many cases in in uh, in the UAE here and myself. I've done it for personal reason because being uh, Moroccan and French and he did I did not need and myself I'm a proud Saint Lucian. So and within even within our team here globally, we encourage our employees to be ambassador yes. of the programs and and do it. So we have like we, we, we have a few of them. We have a few of them here in our offices, yes. Dominican, Kitishan, Saint Lucian, some of them have done residency program. So our industry uh, will not die. Will not die. I mean it's uh, it's um, a, it's it's gonna be there uh, since 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 since, since a long time, it's evolution. So the most important thing is to get to anticipate. Mm -hmm. So we anticipate our business has been loaded into the Caribbean. There's going to be m more residency program mm -hmm. that we that where our clients will be going. Mm -hmm. New countries, Portugal, as you mentioned, it now changing the law. Mm -hmm. It's going to go to new geographies like in Spain, Greece, Malta. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I think I think that's a good way uh, just to, to finish off on that. No, in fact, I, I'm I'm going to dovetail now. Um, Me Moon, I'm going to dovetail to this little portion and part of the show where we call it we call it anecdota time where we ask our guests to share uh, a story, an anecdote, an intriguing or funny tale, either about themselves, either about uh, you know the the company they work for, either about the industry, just mm. something that you know the listeners wouldn't have otherwise known of you or have heard of that you think is worth sharing mm. to our listeners. So, is there um, anything that comes to mind? Hi, it's a tricky question. I mean, there have been many over the last ten years. Yeah, obviously. and it's a family show. <laughs> <laughs> I have to stay politically correct. What time is going to be uh, broadcasted before? Uh, depends before midnight or after midnight. <laughs> no, but there have there have been there have there have been many. But um, it was when 
couple of things establishing uh, you know and seeing you know we have the view we cannot see behind us but remembering when we started our company here in Dubai just in Emirates Towers in the financial centers moving there from Regis office to just a, a place opposite of us where we are now we are in Ubora Tower which is probably one of the largest for the non-UAE resident uh, one of the uh, large, uh, you know tallest tower here in Dubai with um, a full floor here on the on the 28 and, and and seeing that evolution that has been it's a, proud uh, moment. it's a proud moment and obviously you're here sitting sitting here next to me and uh, and being the host of this of this fantastic show and uh, taking the the relay from you is uh, is also a, a emotional moment and an intense moment uh, both personally and professionally so uh, and oh, I know uh, you're up for the task me when I'm not worried about that it's, no, that's you. why you got the job you've proven yourself and I'm I'm confident that uh, your your journey is uh, is not over yet it's yeah. going to be really exciting thank you really excited but I'll thank be you. there I'll be there <laughs> by you. more than watching I'll be there to help as well let me well, listen I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing with you your thoughts and experiences uh, you know we're industry leaders in this and often our listeners will want to understand how things are going they, they read these articles they try to make sense of um, what it is that they're they're hearing about there are detractors in our industry there's a lot of negative press there's also great stories which is what some of our other podcasts were featuring if you heard us talk in Antigua about the great things that the, the, these funds that are raised under these programs were doing were being used for in the economy you and I know a lot of those examples mm-hmm. um, you know it's very empowering as you said to them it's significant to those jurisdictions so what I've always liked about this business it's a win-win win win for the client win for the country win for the participants that facilitate it very empowering and transformative uh, I mean you said it you, you're Moroccan French but I know you're proud to be St. Lucia as well I, I just became a UK national after obviously being Canadian all my life it's a powerful moment uh, and I know that what we do we really empower uh, our clients and their family mm-hmm. with uh, greater roads ahead um, so continue your good work for those of you uh, listening and the, the, our viewers stay tuned for the next episode of the global passport investor where we continue to walk you through the wonderful world of investment migration thank you thank you Merci. oh my god really? how many that's good We hope that you're enjoying the show and that listening to my guests and I discuss golden passports and golden visas has got you interested in international residency and citizenship. For a deep dive into the recommended residency and citizenship programs available, please check out latitudeworld.com for further details.